The 63 is intended to offend your sensibilities and shock you into critical thought. Make no mistake, it is the most balanced and bipartisan podcast on the web today. No agenda, no spin. Just two average Americans talking from across the aisle. I'm Trace Rockmore. Hi, and I'm Chris Williams. Today on the 63, uh, Trace and I uh, um, are both uh, veterans of the United States Department of Defense. Um, I'm a Marine, spent four years, once a Marine, always a Marine. And uh, Trace spent time in the Army. I don't, Trace, how long did you spend in the Army? 20 years and four days. I, I actually retired from the Army. And, uh, but you know, the, the, you, in the Marines, they say once a Marine, always a Marine always. in the army, we say soldier for life. So, uh, even after you retire, you're, you're still a soldier, the, the well, training and the values and never leave. Yeah. True story. And thank you for your service brother and your sacrifice. And, um, you know, a lot of people will say that to us in the street walking by, thank you for your service. It's almost like a cliche a little bit, but for those that have been there and been separated from their families and had to drink, eat that terrible chow, thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah, thank you for your service too. And um, yeah, you know, when, when people say thank you for your service, I always just say my pleasure. You know, I, I tell them I had a good time in the army and uh that's how I feel about it. I wouldn't change a thing. I did 20 years as an enlisted man, retired as a sergeant first class E7. And uh, if I had it to do all over again, I'd do it the same way. Yeah, man, no, I, I love the Corps. I, the only reason I got out, to be honest, is because, you know, the Corps is not the Army. I mean, if they give us bullets being in Band-Aids, like literally, and that's all you get. Like we are the least funded division of the Department of Defense, and we wear that label with pride which is why you'll see us mostly yoked up carrying heavy, heavy weapons and doing all the crazy stuff that 
you know, you know, the army guys are crazy, but we're on the edge of insane, insane, if not insane. Right. So we're doing all kinds of stuff, running into the line of fire, jumping on grenades and not that army guys don't, you know, congressional medal armor, armor recipients, I think are the most in the army, but at the same time, there is a, there's a reason that they don't let Marines in the air force. Well, they'll let army guys in the air force, right? There's an intensity that is just over the edge, right? You're just like, just all the time, all the time. And you know, Chris, I think there's a big difference between regular army folk and special forces and uh, the airborne community, right? So I, I spent 17 of my army years um, in the airborne community and I spent about um, four years in, in the special operations world uh, out of my 20 years of service. And, um, you know, uh, being a paratrooper, we are less than 1% of the, the army. I know. And guys- so I always felt, I, I felt very proud to be a part of that elite club. Um, not only was it a, a step up, in terms of the intensity of training and the discipline that was expected of us. But I felt like there was a better camaraderie uh, um, amongst the paratrooper brethren than, you know, the regular army. I just didn't see the same unit cohesion in the regular army. That's why once, once I was back in the, I retired out of the first brigade 82nd airborne division. And once I, once I left, the special operations community and went back to the 82nd, I was like, you know what? This is home. I'm not going to leave here. I'm going to stay here till I retire because there was just a great unit cohesion there in the 82nd, you know, that I believe is unmatched, but you know, on V day, Chris, I want to say, you know, one of the best responses that I heard, there's a first sergeant named uh, first sergeant Mabry. He's still active duty. He's close to retirement. And he goes to my church, uh, Gord Springs Baptist Church here in Spring Lake, North Carolina. Yeah. And he said, and we had a Veterans Day service on, on that Wednesday, uh, or I'm sorry, on the Sunday before the Wednesday. Right. And uh, those those who could still fit in them came, uh, active duty or not, came in their old dress uniforms. No. I would have done awesome. it. Awesome. I would have I done it, but I had the knee brace on from the recent knee surgery, which right. the knee brace has to be close to my skin and I can't wear it under the pants or over the pants. I have to wear shorts. So I just like was, I was still glad to be part of the service, but he said, you know, when people say thank you for your service, he said, I always feel kind of awkward saying you're welcome. Like, like that's kind of like saying, yeah, I, you should think me. I did a lot. Yeah. You're welcome. You know, Yeah, that sounds, that feels, that doesn't feel right to me either, but he had one of the best, he said, whenever people say, thank you for your service, he says, thank you for your support. I think that's great. That's kind of like, like saying, oh, you're, you're thanking me for what I did. And I'm thanking you for what you do supporting us, you know? So, so it goes both ways. And I, Man, I, I like I that a lot. That was, and I'm going to like try to remember that. Cause, yeah. cause you know, my default response is always my pleasure. But I think next time someone says, thank you for your service, I want to remember to say thank you for your support. I like that too. You know, I think that's I think that's better, man. I, I think um, I think it it's it's humble too. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to stay humble. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, 
do the Marines have values like the Army has the seven Army values, which are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, integrity, and personal courage? Do the Marines have like like values like that for the Marines? We we do, but we carry the top three on our shoulders: honor, courage, commitment. I mean, that's it. Simplified Dallas, always faithful. Um, being a Marine, I'm telling you, for all the Marines that are listening to this show and that have ever done it, it is it is a it is a cohesion, like you said, it is just unmatched. I've played football. I've been with those guys. We've gone to didn't win, but almost gone to you know state championships. And you've got a connection with everyone that was on those teams, but it ain't the same, man. Especially when you add, you know fire coming in from the enemy like when you combine your brotherhood under threat for your country and those two things get together there is a bond that cannot be broken uh marine corps birthday was the day before veterans day it was our 245th and uh you know i cannot fit in my blues my stomach is massive my uh you know i would uh i, I was uh publicly shamed a little bit but that's okay that's okay I, uh, I'll, uh, I'll take that. Uh, I need to do some sit-ups. Uh, I get it. Okay. That's right. Uh, a little, some, some crunches, some mountain climbers. I need to get on that, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a camaraderie that, uh, cannot be, uh, cannot be matched. I don't think. And, uh, you know, and you can see it all over the web when Marines get together, it's just like your instant family and you just start talking shit about one another and about the units and definitely about the army. So, Hey, Hey, you know what they always say, right, Chris? And uh, my my neighbor who is Air Force reminded me of this one day. He said of the four branches of service, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, right? Uh, I don't even really remember to count the Coast Guard. My, I have a um, my ex-wife's brothers in the Coast Guard. So, uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. But, um, you know, they do a good job, too. I guess they protect our borders. I don't know much about the Coast Guard, but when I think of the branches, the four main branches, of course, you know, the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, then you have Coast Guard, National Guard and Reserves. But the, my, my, my Air Force neighbor reminded me one day when we were talking, he said, you know, we can talk smack about each other. But no one, anyone who's never been in the military that tries to talk smack about us and we'll have each other's back. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's many times I have gun rights conversations, but let's go ahead and get into the podcast. I mean, we, we, okay. um, but, but, yeah. but, but first a couple things. So one, I made, I sent a picture and I'll share it on the, um, on the podcast page. I, my, my cousin found a picture of my great uncle from world war one when he was in an all Negro regiment in France I'm mind blown, right? And so I, I saw it, it's just incredible, right? Because it just shows you how how the the, the pieces of you know the, the American history ties back to you. I had no idea. And she found that she's really into kind of building the family tree. She found that just amazing. So I know you wanted to say something about the origin of Veterans Day, and then we'll get into right. uh, we'll get into the podcast. Yeah, so just briefly for our listeners, I thought this was an interesting bit of trivia, which I actually heard on another podcast driving home from work today. Um, and I was listening to Dr. Michael Savage's The Savage Nation. I like to flip-flop between him and Ben Shapiro and a couple and the Art of Manliness podcast and a few others. But 
he he said the or and he reminded us that I forgot about this. The origin of Veterans Day originally it was called Armistice Day or Armistice, Armistice Day, Day. Mm-hmm. and it it was to commemorate that World War One ended with the Treaty of Versailles on the eleventh day of the eleventh hour um, of the eleventh month, and it was uh, in nineteen nineteen. Now, the war had actually ended ended seven months prior to Armistice Day uh, with the with the agreement between the Germans and the Allies. But I think the official end of the war, you know, when the treaty was signed and everything was finalized was was 11-11-11-1919. Wow. The 11th hour of the 11th month on the 11th day. And then they after World War Two. Um, they decided to call it Veterans Day to honor veterans of all wars. So I just thought that was an interesting bit of trivia. That's great. And, you know, and, you know, I, for, I, so, so for, yeah. our listener, for our listeners, this podcast is called the 63 primarily because of the engagements, except for 1963, which was the death of JFK. And also his death led to the Civil Rights Act of 1964. But uh, that 63 was responsible for what happened in 64. And in 1863, Lincoln gives the Gettysburg Address in the middle of the Civil War. And in 1763, we have the Treaty of Paris that basically separates the Spanish, the British, the Native Americans, uh, one from the other and establishes the space that would become the 13 colonies in 1763. So it's just very interesting how on Veterans Day, this is, there's a tie to the wars and the sacrifices of everyone that helped build America and establish our freedom. So I just thought that was interesting. And I, I, it's educational to hear you talk about Armistice Day and, uh, and Veterans Day. And also just to let the, the listeners know that our um, our 63 prod- podcast, you know, goes way back all the way to 1763 before the nation officially declares its independence. Yes, yes. And, you know, I actually had the honor of going to a homeschool co of gardeners through fifth grade present are homeschooled by their parents but they go to a dance and, and music and arts studio for their electives. So the owner of the co-op who sponsors the teaching of the electives for the homeschooled kids at consequently my daughter's dance studio, he invited me to come speak to the kids about the word vet. I just quickly explained to them, you know, that they, and kept on their level, you know, for their age group that a veteran is someone who's completed a tour of dude, and had an other than dishonorable discharge. And the other type of veteran is someone who's served a combat tour. And a soldier is someone who's been trained in the arts of war and is either on active duty, is a veteran, or is retired. So I said, you know, uh, all veterans are soldiers, but not all soldiers are veterans, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, well said, well said. But but anyway, we got to talk about the the meat and potatoes of the, Let's the politics get and what you want into to, it. Yeah, I know man. you want to grill me, and I know you want to rub it in. But it looks like you think Biden might have won, but I don't know. I seriously doubt it, Chris. 
that's that's you looking. guys running to parlor, getting off of like you know what you know what this feels like. It feels like all those times we look back in the past when we were kids, when folks were in bunkers, you know, still thinking that the war was going on and that Big Brother was listening to them and that chemtrails are poisoning our minds and all that crap. It's like everybody is going back into the bunker. Let's get off of Fox News. I hear people aren't even watching Fox News anymore. Balanced. And now people are like, well, because Trump said it's no good, I'm not watching Fox News anymore. Like, what is that? How how well, can you be loyal to anything if you can't even be loyal to the people that support you and the networks that promoted you? Just well, Fox Fox wasn't exactly promoting Trump the way I saw it. If if Fox was really that are conservative, you kidding me? Let me I can't believe this, you Chris. said those words. I just want to say, if Fox was really that conservative, they wouldn't have banned the the our senior statesman on talk radio, Dr. Michael Savage, a.k.a. Dr. Michael Weiner, from ever appearing on Fox News. They never invite him on the show. They're really not that conservative. You know, uh, Fox is 20% owned by Saudi Arabia. Rupert Murdoch, uh, I don't believe Rupert Murdoch is wholly a conservative. I think he supported... Hillary Clinton in the last election. I think he voted for her, if I remember correctly. Donald so, Trump supported the Clintons when Bill was running for office. Yeah, but here's the thing, Chris. I just I think we've reached the no. point where so many Americans are just tired of the the liberal news media and the constant spin. And we it was like four years of nonstop Trump bashing and Trump's a Nazi and he's Hitlerian and he's the next Hitler. And whoever whoever supports Trump is fascist and wants a dictator in power. And then all of a sudden, it looks like Biden and everyone's like, oh, kumbaya, let's hold hands and we can all be unified now. It's like, wait a second. For the last four years, none of y'all called for unity. Instead, it was Antifa showing up with masks on their face and setting cars on fires and protesting. And we hate Trump and Trump's a racist. So you tell me, Chris, I mean, it's. Things are really, really topsy-turvy right now, man. That, but that's, but see, that's coming from the position that everybody's wrong. And everybody can't be wrong. It just, it's... Along with them? Well, I mean, what's, what's so bad about Trump? Tell me. I mean, what, what's so hard to get along with? It's just not, not feasible that everybody in the free world thinks the same thing. And I've always wondered... They don't, though. They don't. They don't. Chris... Half of America is are Trump supporters, so you can't say everybody in the free because the free world to me is the United States. That's the only free oh, world. See, that's the problem. Everywhere oh. else, is, I'm just saying every other country, even Europe, all the countries in Europe, they're trying to be more like the United States, but they don't quite have the freedoms we do. They're not there yet. And so what I'm saying is, when you say the free world, I think United States, right? At least close to half of the country are Trump supporters, maybe more if you take away all the fraudulent ballots that were dumped last minute at the polls. Oh, just saying. Yeah. But, just okay. saying. You want to load it up? We're going to load it up. Here, here's, here, here's where I'm going to start, okay? Okay, look. All right. It starts with not asking for loyalty. He hadn't even taken office yet. And he says, Comey, I need you to be loyal. Now, why does anyone 
who's a public servant, by the way, ask for loyalty. Loyalty to who? Loyalty to me. Why do I need to be loyal to you when you are just a human being sitting in the office of the presidency as the presider of the nation? You don't run it, you don't own it. You're not the king, you're not the emperor. You are borrowed on borrowed time on purpose per the constitution to govern the nation. Now, why would you ask for loyalty? So Chris, here's, here's my take on that. Um, and you're asking me, a fellow military veteran, about loyalty and why Trump would ask for loyalty. I have to f- start with this. So when I think of loyalty, I think of the Army's definition of loyalty, which is bear true faith and allegiance to the U.S. Constitution, the Army, the unit, and your fellow soldiers, right? If you're the president of the United States, your loyalty has to be to the United States. So you have to bear true faith and allegiance to the United States. That said, anyone in your cabinet or on your staff that's that's wants to work for you, they should not be working for you in your cabinet or on your staff if they oppose you and they don't believe in what you represent and they didn't vote for you, right? Because then they're just an insider threat trying to undermine the presidency. So what I think the president was after there was just look. But but Tracy handpicked his cabinet. Rex Tillerson, he handpicked this guy. But Chris, there's nothing to me that's wrong or insidious about a leader saying that he expects loyalty from his followers and his staff. As a sergeant in the United States Army, I always expected my soldiers to be loyal, not just to me as their leader, but to the unit, to the army, and to the U.S. Constitution. And I would expect. Did you ever call for loyalty? I mean, if it, I mean, I, I don't know. Probably, yeah, because when I trained no. soldiers, yes, yes, no, absolutely, I did. I'll tell you when. Because when I trained soldiers to go to the promotion board, they all had to be able to recite and define loyalty. That's part of the one of the questions they could be asked, right? So, as the president of the United States, you would That's hope that above all, all. All, all the people working for you should be loyal to the president and the country. You don't want someone who's loyal to Russia and Vladimir Putin working for Trump. That doesn't make sense. So I don't but see a problem with loyalty. That, that's not loyalty. that's not America. That's not America. So 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 America. It's not. Well, Chris, I think we're. I think you're twisting the definition of loyalty. Just because you're loyal, it doesn't mean that the person, the country, or the entity that you're loyal to is a dictator or a dictatorship. What I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that you and I are loyal to the U.S. Constitution right to this day. You and I are loyal to the states that we live in. We're loyal to our wives and to our friends and to our children. We're loyal to them. And what that, what does that mean? That all of my work and endeavors go for their benefit. That's what loyalty means. I am doing everything that I can on behalf of you for your sakes and will continue to do so in face of challenges and strife. Right. Right? So here's the, so, so, here's so when the, the okay, president so. comes up to you and he goes, I need you to, you know, I need, I need you to be loyal. He's not saying to the country, he's saying stuff is gonna come out about me. I need you to stand by me. In the midst of that firefight, I need you to stand by me. Me. Chris, Chris, here's what he's really saying. When the president took office, he, President Trump stated during his campaign 
while he was on the campaign trail before he was elected and after he was elected, he stated, I'm here for the American people. I'm entering this job because I want to fix things and I want to put America first and I want to drain the swamp. So he stated that his loyalty was to the American people. If he asks for his staff members in cabinet and, and uh, fellow Republicans in turn to be loyal to him, indirectly, he's asking them to be loyal to the American people because if Trump's loyal to the American people and his followers are loyal to him, they are also loyal to the American people. Do you think he's being loyal to America right now? Oh, oh, ab absolutely. I think that he's always had America's best interest at heart. No and way. I know that, Chris. No I know way. that by looking at the legislation that he passed or that he pushed to, to have passed. I know that by all the law, the legislation and policies that he sponsored while he was in office. I can't find one policy that was detrimental that, that Trump promoted. I can't find one policy. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that from his chair, he he did or promoted policies that were damaging to the United States. But but yeah. wait, 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 that's not true. Let me let me back up because uh, a, a, a whole oh, sorry, a whole flush of them came and hit me in the face, knocked off my glasses. Uh, so I think there was and there continues to be until he until he concedes a focused effort to disassemble NATO. They focused effort. Now, this is Veterans Day. OK, this is Veterans Week. No, 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 listen, the point of the NATO alliance, as you pointed out, was to keep us from getting into things that got us into World War I, right? It was to keep us from these little pocket agreements that caused us to war against each other because we made promises. So NATO was the, was the antithesis of all of that history and we now had, you know, basically a new world order where all of these nations come together that represented the West. And then you had the axis of allies on the other side, right, on the East. And so, and so this then drew the lines in the Cold War. Now you're telling me what good does it, does it bring to disassemble or to, or to have America play a smaller role? It doesn't make any sense. And that's detrimental to our security and our self-interest. No, no, Chris, Chris, you got to remember, he's never called for the for the dissembling of NATO. What he did was he asked the other nations to pick up a little bit of the tab because pr prior to President Trump, the U.S. was funding most of NATO's burden and the other countries were skating by and they weren't pitching in and, and pulling their weight. He simply asked the other countries to start pulling their weight and paying their fair share because NATO uh, is not, it, it is, and we talked about this in one of our earlier podcasts, remember? NATO has morphed from its original intention, which was to, to help secure world peace. It is morphed into an anti-American, anti-Israel. No. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, no. it's not... It's not what it was intended to be. These and uh, Trump's trying to rein it back in and bring it back to what it was originally intended to be. But look, because the world's changed, though. You can't. You like like. So this is what I think. We still need to patrol the seas. I think that is a mandate because all you're going to have all these cyber threats. Ultimately, it comes down to bullets and bodies. 
and you have to have the security in place for your allies and yourself. And, and I think these agreements occurred, you know, in these dark smoky rooms that said, look, Germany, I don't need your military might. We've got that. What we need you is to watch the cyber frontier. France, we don't need your military might. We've got that. We need your ability to have, you know, fast response for helping refugees, you know, and so on. And so we, we, we took the world and chopped it up into roles and responsibilities. Our role and responsibility was to be the policeman of the world, to patrol and ensure democracy's reign. And post the fall of the Soviet Union, that's exactly what happened. And there had never been more world peace in that decade from the fall of Russia, because we had proven that we are the ultimate hyperpower on planet Earth. And we still have some of that, but now here comes China economically, just sweeping it up. Why? Because, because Trump has no plan. He had no policy. And the voters proved it. They, they proved it out. So his loyalty to America, his loyalty to America and to our defense, if you turn that table, you know what else bothers me? Is the fact that it benefits Putin more than anybody else. Russia is the prime beneficiary of a weakened NATO. And that's his buddy. Chris, Chris, let me say this about NATO, brother. So NATO is not an alliance, okay? It's a defense arrangement for Europe paid for and underwritten by the United States. But what if the world has changed, like you said? It has. What if European countries... What if what if European countries never rebuilt their militaries after World War II? What if the Soviet Union dissolved? What if larger enemies emerged? What if a NATO country decided to become Islamist and hold Europe hostage instead? Every one of these scenarios has occurred. What are we paying for? And how does the alliance save America? NATO was a great idea then and is, at best, a distraction today. Little good it did when Russian President Vladimir Putin grabbed the Crimea a few years ago. Europe cannot defend itself, and that is not our fault 70 years after World War II. Now, Chris, let me just say, critics will say, and I can hear them now, you have it all wrong. The mission of of Afghanistan may not have been perfect, but NATO is still very important in containing an aggressive Russia. NATO is not globalism. It's a voluntary alliance of like-minded countries. I've heard it all before, but saying those things does not make them so. NATO was formed after World War II to provide collective security against the Soviet Union. It was a unique and special alliance that was very important. NATO played a big role in staring down the Soviet Union until it was ultimately defeated and disintegrated, for now, into Russia and a number of smaller countries. It was actually Ronald Reagan... Pope John Paul II and British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, who together brought down the Union, but who's counting? Today, NATO is a great example of globalism. National security experts claim that NATO is indispensable. Really? To whom? Europe has already allowed itself to be invaded. It chose not to rebuild its militaries, happily suckling off the teat of America's willingness to actually fight and win its wars for them. So, worse, consider Turkey, a full member of the NATO since 1951. Foreign policy types back then believed that allowing it into the club would bring its government closer to the West and our Western values. And it did. It worked for a little while, but it's fallen apart. 
but it's fallen apart today. All I'll right. So instead, mama. as with China, but let me say, since you brought up China, as with China, the opposite has occurred. President Recep Tayyip Erdogan decided Turkey. to reject the secular tradition of his institutions. He dismantled the NATO trained army that has long maintained Turkey's secular institutions. He has ignored popular elections and openly dreams of restoring the Ottoman Empire. He's an Islamist with Islamist visions for the Middle East, yet NATO members have pledged to defend his regime. The last time I checked, that's not what NATO was about. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo summed it up nicely in a speech in May 2019 when he said, America too had become unrestrained, untethered from common sense. The institutions, the institutions we built to defend the free world against the Soviet menace had drifted from their original mission set. Indeed, some of them had become directly antagonistic to our interests while we kept silent. We bought into trade agreements that helped hollow out our own middle class. We sacrificed American competitiveness for accolades from the UN and climate activists, and we engaged in conflicts oh, without a clear mission. No more. Later in his speech, he added, I am very confident, I am very confident that the founders would have been perplexed by those moves. We had too much confidence in the international system and not enough confidence in our own nation. And we had too little courage to confront regimes squarely opposed to our interests and to our values. But I bring you good news. One man said enough. And in 2016, you all sent him to the White House. Oh, man, get out of here with that. That whole, that, that whole speech you just gave, okay, none of that has anything to do with what we were talking about. Let me tell you something. Since you, since you brought all that mess in here, okay, okay. I, so, Chris, I have to give credit where credit's due. Obama, Obama. Listen, I voted for Obama twice, and Obama on international military affairs was a fish out of water. He was not good. Benghazi, Crimea, Syria. You cannot draw a red line and then not defend the red line. That is some right. Charles de Gaulle walk into Paris, let it happen. Like not Charles de Gaulle, he came in after, but that's just letting the, the Nazis walk into France and you give up. You have to defend the red line once you declare it. We didn't do it. I put that on the Obama administration. Straight up, no, no chasers, right? That's what happened with Turkey, same thing. We brought them in, we were trying to bring them close. That whole mess with North Iraq, Southern Turkey, Syria, the Syrian border, that whole mess that had to do with the Kurds and the Syrian and the Syrian basically genocide of their people, all of that was blended together and we did not handle it well as a nation, strategically. We, we, we did not handle it well. We should have stood up to Russia Russia looked us in the eyes and we backed down. Now Russia has the influence in Syria. They have the influence in, in Turkey, which is why Turkey's leaning more towards Russia. That's on us. But that's because we don't have a, that was a lack of our own dominance. We didn't believe in ourselves. And I put that on the Obama administration. I'm not even, I'm not even chasing that. Then on top of that, so here comes Trump. Trump comes in and he's like, well, I'm gonna be rough and tough. And what does he do? Does he go after Russia? No. He weakens NATO further. He had all the intelligence 
to know we were already in a feeble state. Then who does he go hunt down? He goes chasing North Korea. Why? Why? We still have satellite systems that would knock anything that they put into the sky. It would explode it before we even re-entered. I'm not worried about our national security. We are unparalleled. We're like built by aliens. We are so far advanced ahead of the world. I'm, I, I'm saying that his decisions are opposite of reinforcing American security. So look. Uh, wait, 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 Chris, Chris, Chris. How can you say that if Trump did not even take us into a new war the entire time he was president? I'm <laughs> glad we didn't go to war with Russia. But, 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 no, but, 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 Trace, like we didn't go to war yeah. because we were fighting ourselves. No one wants to become the focus of your ire when you're fighting with your wife. They're going to sit back and look, if I'm a thief and I'm going to steal your, your stuff or whatever, thieves go, oh, just wait till it calms down. We'll wait. They're going to go to council. We'll go sneak in the house when they calm down. Uh, like, I don't know. I don't think, Chris, Chris, I don't think we were anywhere close to having a civil war in the country, but oh, I do think you this me? is, let me, no, no, but let me say this. Let me say this. I do think that the liberal news media and Hollywood and big tech were all for Biden and against Trump. And I do believe the liberal news media and all their anchors and pundits, they straight up bashed Trump. It was like 24-7. You turn on CNN, MSNBC, all you got for four, four years was Trump's a Nazi, Trump's a racist, Trump's a Nazi, Trump's a racist. It was like you couldn't even really get any news if you turned to one of those channels. I had to turn on Fox News just to see what was going on in the world or read the AP or read something else, you know, BuzzFeed, Breitbart. But if I turned on MSNBC or CNN, every single time I turned it on, it was, we hate Trump. Trump's a Nazi. Trump's a racist. Trump's a racist. Trump. And that's, that's what, that was the mantra that they repeated 24-7 for four years. I don't think that was us being at war with ourselves. I think that was the liberal news media, for whatever reason, hating Trump so much that they spent all their time and energy to spin every news story because into some kind not, of anti it's it's coming from it's coming from the people like Bolton, like Ray Starling. It's coming from people close close to him, you know, McMaster. It's coming from you know General Kelly, people who are close to the president, who got to feel his ire every day when just trying to give an intelligence briefing. They were like, man, I I I can't be in this administration in good faith. John Kelly only lasted from July 31, 2017 to January 2nd, 2019. This man had been in the military and in service of his country for 40 plus years, rising through the ranks of the Marine Corps. And he walks away after getting to serve there. Did you see this man and how penitent and how humble and how almost godlike respectful he was of Trump when they were at um, Arlington Cemetery when he first got his post. I saw that, I remember very clearly watching Fox News. He was so respectful and endeared himself to Trump. And if that guy leaves the administration, oh buddy, you know there's a problem. You know there's a problem when that guy leaves. I remember telling my boss at the time and some colleagues at work, we were, we were drinking um, old fashions uh, in, uh, in Boston after a quarterly meeting and we were talking and I told him, I said, look, John Kelly and Mad Dog Mattis are the superstructure of America. And they're making sure that although Trump is new to politics, doesn't understand what's going on, 
they're going to make sure that the actual strength of the country is maintained. They both quit in the same week. Like, no, no. Well, there's a lot. This is all I can say, Chris. There are a lot of people that disagreed with him. They, they didn't like him, couldn't get along with him. I personally don't understand why. Every time I hear Trump talk, I seems like, I mean, it seems like an amenable character to me. I, I don't see what the big deal is. Well, I think that that in, I think it's a, it's I think it's a testament to the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times. No, we're living in a time. There, Chris, Chris, there was a book written by uh, hold on, it was uh, by Adam Carolla called "In Fifty Years We'll All Be Chicks," right? And I Adam actually, Carolla, I, the comedian. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, but no, no, but he made some good points. So I read this book of his called, and, and it was, a, it actually, let me tell you, I don't want to be inaccurate, but I'll tell you what year it came out. I want to tell you something I learned from that book that I thought was very telling. Uh, in 50 years, we will all be chicks. Here we go. So it's a great book, Chris. If you get a chance to read it, you'll laugh. It's funny, but it also has a lot of uh, fact in it as well. It's also, it's a nonfiction book. It's part biography, part editorial. It was published in 2010, so 10 years ago. And this was when we were like kind of noticing the trend in America towards, you know, metrosexuality and transgenderism and uh, gender fluidity. Okay, where and is everybody this going? just trying okay. to blur the lines. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be a woman or a man. You can just reinvent your yourself right and all this stuff i think that also saw a trend around that time or a movement rather towards extreme sensitivity and frailty so like you know how you and i were raised our generation we're generation x right like we were raised that you know as men we were expected to be robust and that it was okay to cry if you had a real reason to cry but not just you know be a whiny you know, sycophant or, or be frail, we were raised, hey, you know, you still need to be a man and, and you need to possess and espouse manly virtues, right? What well, are you then, talking about? I'm saying we saw this movement around, around 2000, maybe a little before then, where being a man was considered toxic and that's when toxic masculinity which is a total farce you know what about toxic femininity that the, uh, the movement to emasculate all of their manhood right um so anyway what i'm saying is i think a lot of these people are like of the millennial mindset or the frail mindset like john kelly and all these people that oh I'm i just can't stand the frail i just I, what are you saying to me i can't believe the words are coming out of your mouth you know i can't be around <laughs> weak i'm yeah, saying they're yeah. weak they're weak why 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 do you have to, why, why can't you go with trump i mean i could go insane obama's policies but i would probably saying is I don't see what's so bad about Trump. I, I just don't yeah, hear him say anything him. that's that you're, you're off the wall. You're not looking for him every day. Trace, Trace, hold on, hold on. Because you talked about my general, so I got I to gotta, I gotta retort, okay? He has been in the United States Marine Corps since 1969, okay? 1969, right? He, he has won the Distinguished Service Medal twice 
Navy Distinguished Service Medal, Defense Superior Service Medal, Legion of Merit, Bronze Star with Valor, and three meritorious service medals. The man has spent his life in defense of his nation to the point he's a Marine General. That means he has looked the devil in the face more times than the devil's looked himself in the face and told him to go kick rocks. And you're telling me he can't stand up to Donald Trump? No. It's not because he can't stand up to Donald Trump. It's not because he can't get yelled at by Donald Trump. All we do is get yelled at in the Marine Corps. That's all that happens. That is not a place to go for hugs and kisses. You go home to your mama for that. Thinking about espousing manly virtues. Now, listen, all I'm saying is... All I'm, I don't... All I'm saying, I don't I... I'm saying to you that this man has a saying that says, be polite to everyone you meet and have a plan to kill them. That's Mattis. And you're saying he can't stand- That was Mattis. That... Yes, and you're no. saying this man- No, no, no. Can't stay in service with Trump? That's because Trump no. is illogical and idiotic. These are Chris, smart men Chris, with multiple degrees. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, I. I don't think that they lack the ability to stand up for themselves or to stand up to Trump if they disagree with him. What I'm saying is, so basically, they have a personal disagreement with someone. They're, they, they're, these three and four star generals, if they disagree with Trump, they can just say, well, I'm out of here. I've already lived my life. I've already had a career in the military. I need you. And then just leave. But just because General Trump, because personally, I haven't had that experience with him, and I agree with his policies for America. That, that's like saying, well, if one I admire, be it a Hollywood actor or a high-ranking or a music, like Bruce Springsteen didn't like Trump. I still like Bruce Springsteen's music, but that no, didn't but influence that, but, me but, to vote for Biden but, just because But this is what you talk about. Biden. This is what you talk about, the, the, Q Coke, the, the two Coke cave fallacy. Listen, no one, it, it's like saying, I like Ellen DeGeneres' show, but why are all these people leaving and then complaining about her? And then you make up some excuse as to why. It'd be different. It'd be different if it were one, two, three, four, five folks. Everyone that leaves says the same thing. All of them. What is Bolton, that? What is that? So what is that that they're saying? They're saying he is not fit for office. He's not fit for office. And they're not saying he's a dumb man. They're saying he doesn't understand public service. He doesn't understand the interconnectability of the world. He sees his position as a singular position where he is the president and all power runs through him. I don't need my briefings, I'm smart. I don't need you to read me all this other stuff, I got it. I don't need you people, you're fired. He thinks that the, the, the world that he's living in is one of, of, uh, of a reality TV show. And he could kind of BS through it. This is real life and lives hang in the balance, which is why he's no longer the president. But Chris, Chris, Chris. 250,000 people all. that died Chris, under his watch. Chris, all that stuff about that people don't like, those are personal reasons. I'm talking about his policies for America and the economy are good. And that's all I care about. I could care less if he's a likable guy personally or personal. But you have to care about that, Rock. You have to care about how he runs the nation. That's not no, 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 that's two different things. No, whether he's a likable guy and how he runs the nation are two different things. Because no. 
if the policies are good for foreign policy and domestic policy, but his he's not personable with everybody. I mean, it's like the old saying, you you know, that I think Abraham Lincoln said, you can like some, you can please some of the people some of the time, and you can please all the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. So, I mean, I I I get that. And you have to be, you know, and you have to be an asshole to be at that leadership position. You have to be a little crazy to even think that you can run a nation, right? There's some, there's some difference in the, in the, in the synaptic make makeup. But what I'm saying is that being said, there's also a certain amount of humility that comes with the office that he absolutely could not process. He didn't have the emotional intelligence to be the president. It takes emotional intelligence and he's like zero. He doesn't have it. You have to be empathic to your people. Zero. He doesn't have it. Why? He's never had to live it. He's never had to live a life like me and you. He doesn't know what that's like. He doesn't know what it's like. So how can you possibly process the pain of your people into policy that makes their lives better? Yeah, you can do some things in your imagination that you think are good. Okay, I'm not taking that away from you. But at the same time, you have to work with people across the aisle that disagree with you. The moment he does, someone disagrees with him, he fires them. Why? Why, Trace? Why can't I disagree with my boss? Well, I, I haven't I haven't really seen that he fires every single person who disagrees with him. I mean, some people have been fired, yes. But he fires everybody I can't really speculate as to, I can't I can't speculate as to all the nuances or reasons, you know, why. Why, why is he talking about firing Barr? Why did he push Fauci to the side? Why are the people Fauci. that are most loyal to him getting kicked the can? Chris, Chris Fauci's a knucklehead, man. He's Oh he's my been, god, I can't believe you said that. Chris, Fauci's been working in in the uh, in government sector for like a very I forget how many decades, right? But he's I I don't know something's not right about him. He talks funny. He's he just he flip flops on his positions on the COVID virus. You know we he told everyone to wear masks, and then you see him out in public without a mask on. I, Dr. Fauci lost credibility with me a long time ago. But Chris, I know we're getting short on time. Before we wrap it up, brother, do we want to talk about what we think? I, uh, you think 2021 will look like under Biden, and I'll say what I think it look, it's going to look like. Sure, sure, sure. We can do that. What do you, you, you go, ahead, you go right. first. You go first. And Chris, I got to give credit where credit's due, right? Some of my, or most of my thoughts on on NATO came from a book I read by Pete Hegseth called American Crusade: Our Fight to Stay Free. Right, great book, and. Uh, uh, it's a it's a great book, right? Pete Hegseth is actually a Harvard and a Princeton grad. He's wow. went to graduate school at Harvard, went to undergrad at Princeton. Very very smart guy. He funny, wrote a book he said, called American. It's funny he he wrote Crusade on there. Not like that's not inflammatory. Not like what? Yeah, I mean you know a crusade, you know European crusades yeah. to the Middle East. You know he says he says we need a new American crusade, not. Not in the term of, of violence or, or physically fighting, but but a new crusade for us to to stand up for what we believe and not give up, right? On on, on our on our conservative values. But let me say real quick, Chris, because I know we gotta wrap it up. This is what and I, I'm taking some notes from his book on this. This is what losing looks like. So the prospect of losing the 2020 election and its af- aftermath. Okay. Um Globalism will erase our borders, sovereignty, and national identity. 
genderism will figuratively and literally turn our boys into girls and our girls into boys. Socialism will suffocate our economy and bankrupt America in one generation. Secularism will bury God under the weight of government, sealing our cultural fate. Environmentalism will close more of our factories and only make the planet worse. Elitism will strangle us with political correctness until our thoughts are a crime. Multiculturalism will magnify our differences, dividing and weakening us. Islamism will grow and grow until it's powerful enough to grab everything. And lastly, leftism will enslave us all with big government until it's enslaved by Islamism. That's my prediction under Biden's administration. That's bananas. That's nuts. That's right out of the popcorn popper. <laughs> okay. So, Chris, what's here's, what, here, here's, here's a centrist view on what's going to happen in the next eight years. Okay. So, um, what's going to happen is there will be a reckoning with China. It's going to happen. Okay. It's going to happen politically, financially. It may not happen militarily, but it will happen via proxy. Hong Kong, Taiwan. That will be on the table. There will be proxy fighting to reestablish normalcy previous to the lack of, of, of activity by the Trump administration with Taiwan and Hong Kong. That's the battlefield that we're going to face this decade. Then this idea of being able to own your own space in cyberspace such that you can trade freely across nations will be reestablished. Why? Because quiet is kept, post-vaccine, you're going to have half of the world's um, citizens still shaking and scarred from what's happened this year. 2020 is what the Mayans kind of perceived as the end of the world. They were right. The world ended as we knew it in 2020. It will be something different now, right? Not that there's a giant asteroid that's gonna blow us up, the world that we knew growing up, done, right? We're still going to do a lot of the same things. It's more of a pantomime. We're gonna be wearing masks, even though we've gotten vaccinated because not everybody's gonna get vaccinated because not all of the vaccines gonna be made available because there's just not enough. So, so the reality of the situation is that's what, in, in the Biden administration, and they are smart, will move the switches between there won't be a whole national federal lockdown. I know what people said, it ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. That will be federated to the states. The states will control that lockdown the way it was in the spring. And they will use federal monies to control how long lockdowns are in place. That's what's gonna happen. And lastly, socially, Americans, we have to, and I don't know if this is gonna happen. We have to spend the next four years healing ourselves, no matter the cost, no matter what it takes. We have to get back socially together in mass and, and cheer together and sing. In mass, or, in mass or in masks? <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, Chris. That, that's that's I, what I see is gonna happen. I, I, I just, I, I hope that's not true that we're wearing masks for the next four years. We're going to be wearing masks for the rest of our lives. We're going to be like Asia was prior to SARS, right? And that's why we should. That's why we should have voted for Trump. He was going to bring us back to normalcy. 
This is, this, this is the new norm. See, we're the old guys. We're the old country for no, you know, for no, you know, no country for old men. That's us. That's why we're looking at the world like, I don't understand this blue hair spike. When we were kids, the old people were saying we were the, the end of the world. Why? Because we're walking around with flock of seagulls and high tops all the way up to six feet, you know, and they didn't understand that. They're like, these kids are so stupid. They're not, they're going to destroy the world. And now it's our turn. We're the old people now. We don't understand it. And so I don't think that these young people are going to tear us apart. If anything, they are going to assume difference is not a difference. There is no difference in difference. We're all different. I taught my kids this, just because I'm dark and you're fair, we're different not because of the skin tone, that's an accident of time and space and material. We are purposely put into these places by the creator as unique singularities in time and space. So everybody's different anyway. There is no commonality other than the identity of myself and you as mutual traveling through time and space, yet a singularity. Two things can't maintain a time and place. They can't be at the same time. They can't be in the same place at the same time. So everything's unique anyway. Everything's a link in the chain. So there is no commonality, but there's no difference in the difference. That's the commonality. It's it's a it's a cyclical thought, but the, these kids get it. They get it in spades. It is not an issue. Race is not an issue for them. The death of racism happens with the generation behind Generation X. Yeah, and then we just have to have the death of mask wearing. I don't believe in it. I'll be honest. I mean, we never wore masks for the flu. And yeah, I know this ain't, this ain't the flu. This ain't I know what everyone says it ain't the flu, but it's transmitted by breath. And I've already read a study that the masks are not airtight and your, your, your um, aerosols from your breath, they hang out in the air for a very long time, up to 12 hours. So if you're wearing a mask at your place of work, if you're in the place of work with other people wearing masks for at least eight hours and six to eight hours, if just one person has the virus, you're all going to get it even if you're wearing masks. So like wearing masks is totally pointless. It's just totally pointless. It's the mark. It could it's, be the mark. No, look, look, I saw those, I saw those folks. Let me tell you, I saw those folks with the MAGA masks on, all of them saying MAGA and and at uh, Trump's last rally. And I and I saw for a moment the red hat and the masks, and I saw what looked like the mark of, of cessationists, right? That's what it looked like in my head. It looked like the schism had already been declared and identified and had a leader. It, it had its general lead, right? Trump is general lead. Oh, come on. He's not, he's not racist, man. Ooh. He's, oh. he's not. No next way. podcast. Next podcast. We're doing race. Oh, yeah. Yep, okay. We're doing race. Hey, so, so thanks, man. This was, this was liberating. This was good especially coming off that Biden win. First female uh, vice president, first vice president of color, first Asian vice president. Look, she is, Harris is amazing. She's going to yeah, do Chris, amazing Chris, things. Chris, let's, I mean, I know you're all hyped up about her gender and her color and her race and everything, but let's see what she actually, if she and Biden do anything good for the country. That's what matters. It, it is what matters, but you have to, you have to celebrate this because of the ceiling that had been placed on voting, just going, like I told you the story of my, my grandfather, why was he eating 
in the black only section? Why was my uncle in a Negro? I'm telling you, those things were put in place and they hadn't been cracked until right now. But Chris, the country has been around forever. Go ahead, Chris. You're talking about you're talking about your grandfather, right? No, I'm talking about my my grandfather and my my great uncle. So, so you you told me that story before about your grandfather, I think, in a previous podcast, right? And and um, he, he lived, was sitting he was sitting in the black only section yes. reading his book. But well, Chris, why was he sitting in the black only section? Chris, because he lived during a time of segregation. Kamala Harris doesn't live during a time of segregation. Okay, behold, behold, there was behold. no ceiling to break. Wait, wait, there was wait, no hold. barrier. You, you see, you there say that, no. but you, you say that, but the truth is, there is no ceiling to break. But there hasn't been a person that didn't look like every other person in the every other president in the history of the United States until Barack Obama in the 21st century. Further to that, there had not been another vice president of a separate gender until right now. They were but all Chris, men. But Chris, what policy for America ha- is she sponsoring that's that's unique? It didn't matter. For- it did the policies. Let, let me tell you something. As, That's all that you, you, you and I, you and I are in. We we've got high level clearances. We have high level clearances. You know good and well, Biden didn't get hired because of his policies. You know that. I you think know that. I think he's a hand picked puppet of the DNC. If you ask me, he he didn't get he did not get elected because of his policies. I got newsflash for you. Trump did not get elected because of his policies. Trump was the antithesis of Obama. Obama didn't get didn't get elected because of his policies. He got elected because of his oration and his and he was a symbol of what a post-racial America looked like. Whoops, we missed on that one. Okay. George Bush did not get elected because of his policies. That's why he had to get surrounded by Cheney and um uh uh, uh and uh, he needed um uh, you know, Rice, and he needed a full staff of people around him. He didn't get elected. Ronald Reagan didn't get elected because of his policies. These people aren't elected by policy. They're, they are elected by the emblematic symbol of what America is going to be for the next four to eight years. That's why Chris, they get elected. So we got to do another podcast on that, man. You agree? I do. We got to go. Hey, thank we, you. Guys. Thank you. Hey, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hey, Chris Williams, Houston, Texas. Trace Rockmore, Spring Lake, North Carolina. Hey, you guys be safe, brother. Again, happy Veterans Day to you. And, uh, you know, uh, stay safe, work on that knee and uh, tell mom and the kids I said, hey, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. I will. Thank you, brother. And uh, talk to you next time. All right. I got, I got, I got, I got loyalty, got royalty inside my DNA. Quarter piece, got war and peace inside my DNA. I got power, poison, pain, and joy inside my DNA. I got hustle, though, ambition, flow inside my DNA. I was born like this, and born like this, immaculate conception. I transform like this, perform like this, was you a new weapon. I don't contemplate, I meditate, then off your, off your head. This that put the kids to bed, this that I got, I got, I got, I got. I just kill shit cause it's in my DNA I got millions, I got riches building in my DNA I got dark, I got evil that rot inside my DNA I got off, I got trouble, some heart inside my DNA I just
Let's win again, then win again like Wimbledon I serve Yeah, that's him again, the sound the engine in is like a bird You see fireworks and coffee tire skirt, the boulevard I know how you work, I know just who you are See, use a, use a, use a Your hormones probably switch inside your DNA Problem is, all that sucker shit inside your DNA Daddy probably snitch, heritage inside your DNA Backbone don't exist, burn on side a jellyfish I gauge See my pedigree most definitely don't tolerate the front Shit I been through probably offend you, this is parlous oldest son I know murder, conviction, burners, boosters, burglars, ballers, dead Redemption, scholars, fathers, dead with kids and I wish I was fed Forgiveness, yeah, 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 soldiers DNA